guys, it's me, Layla Cheek, your host today, and thank you for joining me on another episode of Amble Cause, our justification. And I just wanted to go over my memoir series, Hamlet Island, which was, you know, a spinoff of my letter to the seven churches of Hamilton Beach. And that's my journal of my uh, autobiography, essentially my uh, life events as I live them and my journaling uh, of them. So I vow to tell nothing but the truth in my journals as it's very documentary. And so um, it seems like, you know, there's a lot of uh, drama going on again today with um, these guys trying to uh, destroy what their own hands have made and destroy the work of their hands now. And it seems like, you know, God promises that, you know, he will reward each one for whatever good they do, whether slave or free. And masters, to treat your slaves in the same way. Do not threaten them, since you know that he who is both their master and yours is in heaven. And there is no favoritism with him. Finally, be strong. Be strong in the Lord and his mighty powder, power. But all the full, put on the full armor of God, so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly realms. So we know masters are threatening their slaves, and God's like, there's no partiality with me. And uh, don't forget, uh, get strong with a, with a program and a command and a movement, and it was um, very much decreed. And um, we had, I had no choice, so, you know, we can't forget the facts. And, you know, it's kind of like if 10 people are left in one house, they too will die. And if the relative who comes to carry the bodies out of the house to burn them, ask anyone who might be hiding there, is anyone else with you? I'll say, no. Shh. Hush. We must not mention the name of the Lord. So we can't even mention the name of the Lord. We can't even mention the church. We can't mention anything Christian. Uh, obviously, because of the people involved and because of the affiliations that they're with. So, uh, when your bodies are burnt and carried out by some relative uh, and to dispose of your dead bodies after he kills your whole household, don't don't tell them it's in the name of Jesus. And don't tell them it's in the name of the Lord. And don't tell them it's for the church. And don't tell them you're the first Marty Dom in the Western Evangelical Church for this preacher that he's backing that had uh, sexual allegations he doesn't want to confront. Don't mention the name of the Lord. And don't mention it as a church. Let's pretend you're a rebel. So the preacher that uh, was lurking on you in your window and sexually assaulted you in the church uh, can get away with his sex crimes and kill his mistress and pretend like the president had a rebel at hand. But don't mention the name of the Lord because, by golly, uh, the president can't get caught harboring a, a deadbeat preacher. And the preacher doesn't want to act like he uh, killed his mistress congregant after he lurked on her for eight years. For the Lord has given the command and he'll smash the great house to pieces, and the small house into bits. So, uh, obviously, uh, we know um, our billionaire came in, Volkswagen, and smashed the great house to pieces and into small bits. And it was terminal, a terminal blow. So, do horses run on rocky crags? Does one plow the sea with oxen? But you turn justice into poison and the fruit of righteousness into bitterness. You who rejoice in the conquest of Lodabar and say, do we not take care of name by our own strength? 
For the Lord God Almighty declares, I will steer up a nation against you, Israel, and they will oppress you all the way from Level Hamath to the Valley of Arabah. And essentially they're saying uh, they'll oppress you from one end of Israel to the, to the other. And um, God will raise up a nation and op- oppress you, Israel, just like you oppress your congregant. For any gain you could creatively think of. Whatever I bring, whenever I bring clouds over the earth and the rainbow appears in the clouds, I'll remember my covenant between me and you and all living creatures and every kind. Never again will the waters become a flood to destroy all life. Whenever the rainbow appears in the clouds, I'll see it and remember the everlasting covenant between God and all living creatures of every kind on earth. So God said to know this is a sign of the covenant I have established between me and all life on the earth. So when we see a rainbow, what does, it, what does that mean, guys? That's, that's our covenant that God made with all living creatures, not just man, but all um, creatures, all living things. And essentially, you know, it didn't rain ever before, before Noah's Ark. So that was the first time uh, it rained. And so we never seen a rainbow until that time. And that was God's sign of sealing this deal, this covenant, this promise, this oath he made me with all, with all living things. He said, never again will I flood or destroy the whole earth uh, for uh, wickedness ever again. So um, we know that uh, this was his uh, established uh, covenant with all living things. And... <laughs> Unfortunately, uh, you know, uh, wickedness and evil does prevail, but God made this uh, covenant that he would never um, destroy the earth again. Well, Habakkuk uh, 3.16. I'll just give a little context to this. You know, this is a prayer of um, Habakkuk, this minor prophet, and he was complaining to God about um, his enemies, uh, these enemies prevailing, Babylon, Babylonians um, prevailing over Israel. And he has this prayer. And, you know, um, God, God essentially punished it. This is the history of the nations, right? God would punish Israel with other nations. And then he would uh, punish those nations that attacked Israel. And so here, you know, Habakkuk was like, you know, God, why are you raising up these uh, Babylonians to um, to punish Israel? And um, here God uh, kind of um, assures him uh, that, you know, he will still uh, rejoice in the Lord um, despite uh, the famine, despite uh, the barrenness, and despite um, no, no um, crops or, or food. And so I'll read this part that I got here. It says, um, You called for many arrows. You split the earth with rivers. The mountains saw you and withered. Torrents of water swept by. The deep roared the lift, and lifted its waves on high. Sun and moon stood still in the heavens. At the glint of your flying arrows, at the lightning of your flashing spear. In wrath you strode through the earth, and in anger you threshed the nations. You came out to deliver your people, to save your anointed one. You crushed the leader of the land of wickedness. You stripped him from head to foot. With his own spear, you pierced his head. When his warriors stormed out to scatter us, 
gloating as though about to devour the wretched who were in hiding. You trampled the sea with your horses, churning the great waters. I heard and my heart pounded. My lips quivered at the sound. Decay, like a cancer, crept into my bones. My legs trembled. Yet I'll wait patiently for the day of calamity to come on the nation invading us. Though the fig tree does not bud, there are no grapes on the vine. Though the olive crop fails and the fields produce no food, Though there are no sheep in the pen, no cattle in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I'll be joyful in God my Savior. The sovereign Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like the feet of a deer, and he enables me to tread on the heights. For the director of music on my string instrument. So he still rejoices in God, even though his Savior and though these nations have come in and trampled him and decay crept into his bone the mountains saw it withered Uh, the sea was split in half Um, chariot riders and horses came through the warriors uh, came to devour anything they could get their hands on gloating as if to devour the poor, the wretched in in secret and in hiding and so um, you know, no food was left in in the stalls no um, fields produced no food, and there was no sheep in the pen, no cattle in the stalls, so all the crop failed, and we just see this famine, barrenness, and yet we rejoice still in God, because we know he will uh, turn around and, um, re- you know, rectify the enemy. So, I wish you were, e- I know your deeds, that you're neither hot, not hot anymore, uh, I guess strong happened. And you're not cold. So because you're lukewarm, neither hot or cold, I'm going to spit you out of my mouth. You say I'm rich, I've acquired wealth, and I don't need anything. You got everything you could. So you administered grit strong. Uh, you, you took away my hotness, my attractive figure. You burnt down and rearranged and added 30 pounds to it and um, unhinged every joint you could. Now that you're not hot or cold, you spit me out of your mouth. You say I'm rich, I got all the wealth I can. Great investments from Get Strong happened. Uh, wealth uh, was created. Acquired uh, wealth and didn't uh, do not need a thing. But you do not realize that you're wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire. But now he wants you to go into counseling so you can buy from him gold refined in the fire. Your, your, your own money back. So you can become rich with white clothes to wear. So he has a race problem. And he wants you to go to counseling. So his race and bigotry problem can be remedied. And you can pay him uh, some more. And he can get rich some more of uh, hustling you. As you go to counsel because he's a bigot. So you can wear white clothes. And you can cover your shameful nakedness that he exposes. And that he watches in your house. And that he hands your privacy out to. And self to put on your eyes so you can see. And uh, he hacks your eyes even. And, you know, I don't know if you've seen some of these, uh, like, uh, Curry B videos and some of these videos that the movie stars or the singers have done. But uh, they have red eyes in them alluding to your AI eyes that you hand out to even, you know, rock stars to and rappers uh, to just come violate someone's eyes and mind and house and privacy. These are government uh, tools, y'all. And he just hands them out to, to anyone to come uh, chime in. 
So I assume, I assume the problem here is with Joe. The Lord God provided a leafy plant and made it grow over Jonah's over Jonah to give him shade for his head to ease his discomfort. Jonah was happy about the plant. But dawn, the next day, God provided a worm which chewed the plant so that it withered. And when the sun rose, God provided a scourging east wind, and the sun blazed on Jonah's head. And he grew faint, he grew weak. The sun was beating too hard on his head, and he was getting weak. Couldn't handle the heat in the kitchen. He wanted to die. He said, I'd be better for me, it'd be better for me to die than to live. And God said to Jonah, Is it right for you to be angry about the plant? And you just broke into the house and started watching it. Is it right for you to be angry about this plant? And he said, it is. I'm so angry. I wish I were dead. But the Lord said, you have been concerned about this plant. Though you did not tend it or make it grow, it sprang up overnight and died overnight. Should I not have concern for that great city in Nineveh, in which there are more than 120,000 people who cannot tell their right hand from their left? And also many animals? So we're not, you know, pushing left agendas here. There's the right causes. And the city doesn't know right from left. And it seems like, um, you know, God wants to have pity on, on this town. But um, he has it under under fortifications and uh, under his siege of upholding red agendas uh, under pretense. So Jonah was angry and, and wanted to die because of this weakness he got and so this is what how uh get strong came about if you didn't catch that so get strong uh was implemented because jonah was getting weak from the sun beating on his head he was getting weak so he made me strong made me fat ugly uh, unhinged dejointed 30 pounds burnt on fire my breast burnt my vagina burnt my buttocks four times as big and just uh on unbalanced because he couldn't handle the heat as he broke in Remember, as he broke into your house, start watching it. So they brought the head, and this, this is just like beyond sexual assault. You know, I'm married. You have no right to sit here and, you know, do my husband like that behind his back without him knowing and lurk on his wife and then rearrange her whole body behind his back because you uh, thought it was uh, hot or beautiful or whatever, and you try to uh, make it ugly to cover up what you're doing here. Now you want me to buy counsel from you? I don't think so, buddy. They brought the head of Ishbosheth to David at Hebron and said to the king, Here's the head of Ishbosheth, Bosheth, the son of Saul, your enemy, who tried to kill you. This day the Lord has avenged my lord the king against Saul and his offspring. David answered Rechab, his brother Abena, and the son of Rimon, a Berethite. As surely as the Lord lives, who has delivered me out of every trouble, when someone told me Saul is dead and thought he was bringing good news, I seized him and put him to death at Ziklag. That was the reward I gave him for his news. How much more when wicked men have killed an innocent man in his own house, on his own bed. Should I not demand his blood from you and hand from your hand and rid you of the earth? Rid the earth of you? So David gave an order to his men and they killed him. <coughs> Excuse me. And they cut off their hands and feet and hung the bodies by the pool in Hebron. But they took the head of Ishbahesh and buried it in Abner's tomb at Hebron. So, we know from ages ago, even David's time, that killing an innocent man on his bed in his own home is uh, extremely vulgar 
extremely uh, heinous, extremely rude, and it demands a reckoning of the bloodshed. It demands a reckoning of the life that you took. You didn't bring in someone's house and kill them in their own bed. An innocent man that did you no wrong or did nothing to you because you just have a thirst for blood. And what did David do? He turned around and killed them. Cut his hands and feet off. And that's the news they brought to him. Peter, however, got up and ran to the tomb. Bending over, he saw the strips of linen laying by themselves, and he went away, wondering to himself what had happened. Now, same day, two of them were going to the village called Emmaus. And about seven miles from Jerusalem, they were talking to each other about everything that had happened. And they talked and discussed these things with each other. And Jesus himself came up and walked along them. But they were kept from recognizing him. And he asked them, What are you discussing together as you walk along? They stood still with their faces downcast. One of them, named Clopas, asked him, Are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who does not know of these things that have happened here these days? So whoever thinks this is nonsense or doesn't believe it, you are probably the only one that does not have a clue what's going on in Jerusalem. It's well known, and the whole world knows it. We just can't speak of it. Because as he hands out my my privacy, my video, you know, um, then he makes him sign an oath to not uh, speak of it and not um, use it in a court of law. And that was his COVID shot. He said he was giving people COVID shots. So they instructed the Benjamites, saying, Go hide in the vineyards and watch. And when the young men of Shiloh come out and join in, in dancing, rush from the vineyards, each of you sees one of them to be your wife. Then return to the land of Benjamin. When their fathers or brothers complain to us, we'll say to them, Do us favor and help them, because we do not get wise for them during the war. You will not be guilty of breaking your oath, because you did not give your daughters to them. So they snatched the women as they came out to dance. So help the weak, be patient with everyone, make sure that nobody pays back wrong for wrong, but always strive to do what is good for each other. And everyone else, rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Do not quench the spirit, do not treat prophecies with contempt, test them all, hold on to what is good, and reject every kind of evil. Well, we know Nebuchadnezzar was quite the king, and he put to death those who wanted to put to death. He spared those who he wanted to spare. Uh, he humbled those who he wanted to humble, and his heart became arrogant and hardened with pride. He was deposed from his royal throne and stripped of his glory. He was driven away from the people and given the mind of an animal. He lived with his wild donkeys and ate grass like the ox. All of his body was drenched with the dew of heaven until he acknowledged that the, God, the Most High God is sovereign over all kingdoms of the earth and sets them over anyone he wishes. But you, Belshazzar, his son, have not humbled yourself, though you knew all this. 
So the great dragon was hurled down, that ancient serpent called the devil, Satan, who leads the whole world astray. He was hurled to the earth and his angels with him. And I heard a voice in heaven say, Now has come the salvation and the power and the kingdom of, God, of our God and the authority of his Messiah. For the accuser of our brothers and sisters who accuses them before our God day and night has been hurled down. Then um, they triumphed over him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. They did not love their lives so much as they shrank from death. Therefore, rejoice, you heavens, and uh, you who dwell in them. But woe to the earth and the sea, because the devil has gone down to you. He'll be filled with furry, because he knows that his time is short. Well, thank you guys for joining me. We'll stop right there for now. Let's do a quick one. And um, hopefully that clarifies a little bit of the chaos and the lies that this ancient serpent, this devil, this deceiver has been um, smearing around here and the trickery he's been using. And obviously, you know, it seems like um, these guys have been trying to entrap me for a long, long time in the privacy of my home that they uh, capital breached upon and just intruded upon my privacy, set up shop in here, uh, did whatever they wanted, get strong, uh, was a command uh, he gave for years and years and years as he made this um, house project. And now he wants me to buy counsel from him uh, to to enrich him some more, which is not going to happen. This man is not going to oppress me in my home anymore. He's not going to dictate my life. So sorry, that's not an option. You can leave anytime and not worry about me just like any other normal citizen. Well, guys, uh, uh, pray for me. Pray that we're delivered from uh, wicked and evil men. Uh, Pray that the word of the Lord uh, prevails. And um, I hope to see you soon. Bye. Hi, guys. Lily Cheek. And thank you for joining me on another episode of Ample Cause, Our Justification. And this is my memoir series, Hamlet Island, and where I vowed to tell the truth and nothing but the truth, as it is my journal and my documentary of my life. And so I just want to kind of pick up uh, where we left off last time. And, um, you know, the church, in the history of the church, uh, as in the, uh, you know, the called out ones, the, Ingl- the Iglesia, and, you know, not the brick and mortar building, but, you know, the people that make up the church as a organism and an organic uh, body and movement um, has always gained momentum and has always spread by persecution, right? Just think of the first church that was birthed after um, the resurrection and, and the disciples that, you know, sharing the resurrection and the euangelion, this good news, right? Um, and and get persecuted for it. And uh, many of our um, epistles and, and letters in the Bible, in the New Testament, uh, you know, to the Corinthians and whatnot are in severe persecutions and severe um, trying times. So the church, you know, always, and in Acts, you know, a great example of just how persecution broke out with the new um, believers in this new movement of uh christianity taking over judaism and um some of the pagan beliefs that were going on in other areas so persecution always broke out um or always uh spread the gospel and that was kind of god's means of um uh authentizing it because what uh 
these people were getting, you know, just like a Nero's time where they're dipped in tar and lit on fire to be uh, lamps in the city, light in the city, right? And these are like the extreme uh, persecution the Christians were enduring. And their story, story, right, became believable because how, how did God choose to spread the good news, the euangelion, this, uh, hey, Christ was dead and he resurrected. Uh, There's uh, life after death. Uh, This is the good news. Uh, One man rose from the dead and that's it, right? And he came back and showed himself to them for 40 days. So how do we get people to believe the testimony of the eyewitnesses, what they have seen in their account of, hey, we've seen Jesus come back from the dead and he ate with us, right? And talked with us. How how do you believe the story? And um, one of the greatest things that helped authenticize it was that, or authenticate it, was that uh, these witnesses were persecuted for their faith and persecuted for what they seen and persecuted for spreading this good news and persecuted for this belief. And what made it believable is that no one in their right mind would endure death, beatings, assaults, insults, um, just like Jesus, right? Mockery. Um, all this kind of abuse after uh, abuse if they're telling a lie. No one in their right mind would stand up for a lie to that extreme level of abuse and, um, and persecution. And many of these guys face death. You know, we look at Acts and we see Paul and some of his, you know, movement when he faced uh, death threats and, and imprisonments and att- imprisonments solely for spreading this good news, right? Solely for, for being a Christian, solely for sharing Jesus with people. When he faced these, what did he do? He fled to another town, right? He had to flee, flee to another town, flee to another town. And every town he fled to, he shared the gospel. And that's how the gospel spread from town to town to town. He got persecuted in one town. He had to flee to another town. And then he shared in that town. Then he had to flee to another town and share it in that town. So before long, the gospel spread from region to region, right? And God promises, hey, uh, you won't get through all the towns in Israel before the Lord returns. So that's how, uh, you know, and, and then the command was what? Uh, first, uh, preach it to um, Jerusalem and then Judea and then Samaria, the halfies, the halfbreds, and then the rest of the world. Right, and so when we know um, Jesus came to Jerusalem, came to the Jews first, and went through Ju- Judea, and then through Samaria, and then uh, even Gentiles were, were healed, and even the the apostles, right? Um, Paul, he started even in, in in the temples in Jerusalem, and started in the temples when he couldn't preach in the temples. He went outside the temples and started preaching outside the areas of the temples. When he couldn't even speak in the temples anymore, he said, "Okay, I shake the dust off my cloak, and I'm going to the Gentiles. They'll hear," and they did. And so we know that um, my persecution and my extreme, um, you know, abuse, even in this day and age in America, you know, we've never thought we'd see persecution from the government for being a Christian and persecution from the church for being a Christian. And, you know, um, to the point where they want to falsely arrest you, they want to kill you, they want to execute you, where they have uh, mutilated your body uh, to ash and this kind of persecution, if you were telling a story or a lie, you would not sit there and back your lie up to this degrading of your body and this abuse of your whole family, right? Who in the right mind would do that? You'd be like, uh, yeah, I lied. Forgive me. Get me out of here, right? 
And so, you know, it's only in these persecutions that ha- actually help solidify the story and the testimony because no one would endure this if they're saying a story or telling a lie, you know? Who in the right mind would do that for a lie, a story, right? It, it wouldn't even make sense. It'd be stupid. It'd be pointless. It'd be just ridiculous. And so we know uh, my story is a uh, factual historic events and factual things that I'm actually living because I would not endure this kind of brutality, false imprisonments, uh, execution, uh, just burnt my whole body to hell and left me half dead. And now my, my kids and my husband, if, you know, I'm being a sex slave trade for these people in an investment project and in an infrastructure uh, uh, investment project and you name it. Uh, by the government and the president of the United States of America and the ex-president of the United States of America and Fortune 500 in the market and, you know, the office of the governor in my state of Illinois and all the attorney generals of every state that he gathered and you name it, you know, it's like no one would endure this if it was a mere lie and they sure wouldn't gather up all these um, high-ranking officials to come uh, unionize against you if it was a mere lie, Right. And we know no one has these kind of um, high-ranking officials at their table if they're a mere druggie, uh, a crackhead, a drunk, uh, some, you know, loose uh, prostitute, right? We, we, we throw them to the, you know, the county uh, jailer and be done with that. Like, no one puts up with a, a drunken druggie and, and a, a hoe, like, running around. Like, no one's going to waste our time on that, right? We have, we, we're prominent men. We have stuff to do. We have world orders to take care of, right? So as it is, we can see that their lies don't make sense in the context of reality of what we're living. And so obviously I'm a high standing um, woman that was known and reputable for my uh, Christianity, um, my biblical uh, knowledge, uh, my foresight, my insight, uh, my spiritual gifting and the signs and miracles that God accompanied me within my persecution to solidify the message himself that, hey, Gentiles are in the faith, whether you like it or not, church, and whether the government wants to accept it or not, God's been backing it up with all kinds of signs and wonders. And so we see that how when we put context around their hearsay, it just doesn't, you know, pan out and just doesn't make sense. You wouldn't be hanging out with a drunk and a druggie if you're a president, a former president, uh, the billionaire, the world's richest man and investor, um, you know, uh, prominent church uh, preachers, you name it, right? World leaders. I mean, we got every world leader from Israel to, to Russia, to China, to uh, the Baltics, uh, German, you know, like just hanging out. And we, we have, don't have time for that, right? So we know we're not just some floozy that we're just looking at all day long. We get that bombarded uh, on TV, on social media, on YouTube. I mean, I can't even go to the gym and look up at one of the TV screens, screens without seeing another, you know, pretty face that's a hoe bag uh, wondering why her life's a mess because she slept with five different dudes and needs to get in a cat fight. And that's a reality show right now, right? Another hoe bag that has a pretty face that sleeps with five dudes and wonders why their life's a mess. Like, we get that bombarded all day long that's our culture that's all the media we have that's the reality of reality shows right and so it's like and you know after that pretty face guess what there's gonna be another one and there's gonna be another one and ever since the history of the world you know it's all been done under the sun and you can't do anything new that hasn't already been done what are you gonna do that that the foreign president didn't do what are you gonna do that you know uh, another pretty face didn't do what are you going to do that some investor didn't do, right? 
It's all been done before. Can you do something new? You can't, right? And so the only thing that you can do, maybe uh, if you have an act of God and a miraculous work of God behind you that uh, has signs and wonders that no one's ever seen before, um, that might be something uh, extremely new and something worth uh, following and something worth um, heeding to, right? And so we see the difference between you know, simpleness, simple, uh, worthless, uh, things that, uh, are happening all, all over all the time. And then, you know, things that are credible and reputable and acts and signs and wonders of God for a reason. And what do, what do we know about science? It's got to do a sign just to entertain us. Are you bored, Elon Musk? And God wants to, to entertain you with a sign and miracle. It's got to just do, you know, miraculous works to, to, um, you know, get you steered up to get you riled up to make you wonder no every time god did a miracle or a sign it pointed to something bigger right and it pointed to something more and so these signs of wonders aren't just like hey guys look she, she does tricks or hey guys look uh, it's you know miraculous like no they point to him they point to his movement they point to what he is doing in the church and in the world they point to hey God's bringing in uh, even Gentiles into Christianity. God has, uh, uh, you know, uh, work to do in his church and, and a work to do in the world. And God, uh, it's for the fame of his name and for the glory of his name. And so signs and wonders always point to more. And they are supposed to uh, lead us to more. Even if you see a sign on the road, let's say, um, bumpy terrain ahead, you might look at that road sign. But that road sign, What? It's pointing to maybe like a big, bumpy, um, you know, mountainous region that's going to be coming up on your path. So we don't just look at that sign and be like, oh, look, pretty uh, warning sign. No, no, it's pointing to something more. Right? So we don't sit there and honor and worship the, the sign. Wow, it's a nice yellow sign. It's warning us. No, no, we're like, hey, that sign is pointing to something bigger ahead here, over here. Right? So same with the miracles and um, the signs that God does. So the twelve were with him and also some women who had been cured of evil spirits and diseases. Mary, Magdalene, from whom seven demons had come out. That woman was demon-possessed, let me tell you. And Joanna, the wife of Chusa and the manager of Herod's household. Susanna and many others. These women were helping to support them out of their own means. And while a large crowd was gathering and people were continuing coming to Jesus from town after town, he told this parable. A farmer went out to sow his seed, and as he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path. It was trampled on by the birds, and they ate it up. Some fell on rocky ground, and when it came up, the plants withered, because they had no moisture. Other seeds fell along the thorns, which grew up with it and choked the plants. Still other seeds fell on good soil, and it came up and yielded a crop a hundred times more than what was sown. And when he said this, he called out, Whoever has ears, let him hear. And his disciples asked him, What is this parable? What, what does it mean? And he said, The parable of the secrets of the kingdom of God has been given, or the knowledge of the, of the secrets of the kingdom of God has been given to you, but to others I speak in parables. So that though seeing, they may not see. Though hearing, they may not understand. The meaning of this parable is that the seed is the word of God. And those along the path are the ones who hear. And the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts. 
so that they may not believe and be saved. Those on the rocky ground are the ones who receive the word with joy. But when they hear it, they have no root. They believe for a while, but at the same time, during testing, they fall away. The seed that fell along the thorns stands for those who hear. But as they go on their way, they're choked by life's worries, by riches, by pleasures, and they don't mature. But the seed on good soil stands for those with a noble and good heart who hear the word, retain it, and by persevering, produce a crop. So, I have a mind as well as you. I'm not inferior to you. Who does not know all these things? I have become a laughing stock to my friend. Though I called on God and he answered, a mere laughing stock. Though righteous and blameless. He literally shattered my vagina and uh, was laughing about it the next day when he gave me a terminal blow as he's handing out investments in it. And those who are at ease have contempt for misfortune as the fate of those whose feet are slipping. The tents of the marauders are undisturbed and those who provoke God secure. Those God has in his hand. But ask in the animals and they'll teach you. Are the birds in the sky and they'll tell you. Or speak to the earth and it'll teach you. Let your fish in the sea inform you. Which of all these does not know that the hand of the Lord has done this? In his hand is the life of every creature and the breath of all mankind. Does not the ear test words as the tongue tastes food? Is not wisdom found among the age? Does not, does not long life bring understanding? To God belongs wisdom and power, counsel and understanding are his. What he tears down cannot be rebuilt, and those he imprisons cannot be re- released. If he holds back the waters, there is drought. If he lets them loose, they devastate the land. To him belong strength and insight. Both deceived and deceiver are his. He leads rulers away stripped. He makes fools of judges. He takes off the shackles and puts them on kings. He ties a loincloth around their waist and leads priests away stripped. He overthrows officials long established and he silences the lips of trusted advisors. He takes away the discernment of the elders. He, pour con- he pours contempt on nobles and disarms the mighty. He reveals the deep things of darkness and brings utter darkness into light. He makes nations great and destroys them. He enlarges nations and disperses them. He deprives the leaders of the earth of, of their reason, makes them wander in trackless waste. They grope in darkness with no light and it makes them stagger like drunkards. So, Ahab went home, sullen and angry, because Naboth, the Jezreelite, had said, I will not give you the inheritance of my ancestors. He lay on his bed sulking and refused to eat. And when his wife Jezebel came in and asked him, Why are you sullen? Why won't you eat? He answered, Because I said to Naboth, the Jezreelite, Sell me your vineyard. Or if you prefer, I'll give you another vineyard in this place. But he said, I will not give you my vineyard. Jezebel, his wife, said, Is this how you act as king over Israel? Get up and eat. Cheer up. I'll get you your vineyard of Naboth the Jezreelite. So she, is he in this play, in this case, don't get the she mixed up. So she wrote letters in Ahab's name, placed a seal on them, 
and sent them to the elders and the nobles who live in Nabal's city with him. And in those letters she wrote, Proclaim a day of fasting and seat Naboth in a prominent place among the people, but seat two scoundrels opposite of him and have them bring charges that has him curse both God and the king. Then take him out and stone him to death. This is, you know, Trump's letters that he wrote. So the elders then, the nobles who lived in Naval City, did as Jezebel directed in the letters that she wrote, written to them. They proclaimed a day of fasting and seated Naboth in the prominent place among the people. Two scoundrels came and sat opposite him and brought charges against Naboth before the people, saying, Naboth has cursed both God and the king. So they took him outside the city and stoned him to death. Then they sent word to Jezebel. Uh, Naboth has been stoned to death. And as soon as Jezebel heard that Naboth has been stoned to death, she said to Ahab, Get up! Take possession of his vineyard of Naboth the Jezreelite that he refused to sell you. He is no longer alive, but dead. And when Ahab uh, heard this, Naboth was dead, he got up and went down and took possession of Naboth's vineyard. Then the word of the Lord came to Elijah the Tishbite, Go down and meet Ahab, king of Israel, who rules in Samaria. He is now in Naboth's vineyard, where he has gone to take possession of it. Say to him, this is what the Lord says, Have you not murdered a man to seize his property? Then say to him, this is what the Lord says, In the place where dogs licked up Naboth's blood, dogs will lick up your blood, yes, yours. Ahab said to Elijah, So you have found me, my enemy. I have found you, he answered, because you have sold yourself to do evil in the eyes of the Lord. I'm going to bring disaster on you, and I'll wipe you out and your descendants, and cut off Ahab, every last male of Israel, slave or free. I'll make your house like the house of Jeroboam of Nabat, and that of Basha, the son of Ahijah, because you have aroused my anger and have caused Israel to sin. And also concerning Jezebel, the Lord says dogs will devour Jezebel by the wall of Jezreel. So we see how this guy has sent letters in his own name and told him to uh, go kill the husband and then you can get his property in his vineyard. Are you a king of Israel? You're gonna let, you want something and you're not going to go get it? Kill the husband and take it. So he sent letters in, 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 in uh, someone else's name and put the seal on them and said, hey, uh, take this, uh, this guy to, to court. And put two scoundrels opposite of him and make up false testimony against him. Say that he cursed God and the king. And then stoned him to death. And then took his land. So that's what they did. And they killed him on his own bed and uh, took his property. And seized it. And God told him, uh, you know, uh, dogs are going to lick up your blood. Just like they did uh, his. So uh, God will uh, arouse his anger against you, buddy. So the whole assembly became quiet as they listened to Barnabas and Paul telling about the signs and wonders God had done among the Gentiles through them. And when they finished, James spoke up. Brothers, he said, listen to me. Simon has described to us how God first intervened to choose a people for his name from the Gentiles. The words of the prophets are in agreement with this, as it is written. After this, I'll return and rebuild the, tent, the fallen tents of David. Its ruins I will rebuild now restore it, that the rest of mankind may seek the Lord, even all the Gentiles who bear my name, says the Lord who do- does these things, things known from long ago. It is my judgment, therefore, that we should not make it difficult for Gentiles who are turned to God. Instead, we should write to them, telling them to abstain from food polluted by idols, from sexual immorality, and from meat strangled by animals and from blood. 
For the law of Moses has been preached in every city from the earliest of times, and it is read in the synagogues on every Sabbath. So there's a council in Jerusalem in Acts 15 that was known, uh, the, the council at Jerusalem. And it was actually over this big issue of can Gentiles be in the church or do they need to convert to Judaism first and then become a Christian? And they all were wanting them to get circumcised. They need to be a Jew first and keep Jewish custom and learn Jewish order and then become a Christian. And it was a big, big debate. And they finally said, no, no. Guy's scripture attests to this. It's an agreement on this. Guy said he would intervene for his own namesake and he was going to uh, call Gentiles um, to himself. And that uh, the prophets uh, agree with this, that uh, he will uh, rebuild and restore it. And the rest of mankind may seek the Lord, even all the Gentiles who bear my name. And so um, he said, um, he, why are we placing the message of the gospel? Believe God knows the, the heart and showed that he accepted them by giving them the Holy Spirit to them just as he did us. He did not discriminate between us and them. For he purified their heart by faith. Now then, why do you try to test God by putting on the necks of the Gentiles a yoke that neither we nor our ancestors have been able to bear? No, we believe it is through the grace of our Lord Jesus that we are saved, just as they are. And so when they seen the signs that God did through the Gentiles and how um, they came to believe, they um, uh, concluded this uh, council with... Uh, this writing that uh, Gentiles can come in the faith. They don't have to convert to Judaism. They don't have to follow Jew- Jewish ceremonial law. That is by faith and God tests the heart uh, by faith. And essentially just don't bring pagan practices into Christianity. Don't, you know, worship idols. Food polluted by idols. Don't have sexual immorality. and Don't eat meat strangled by animals uh, with the blood. And so that was um, the judgment. So, as Israel was ashamed when they trusted in Bethel, how can you say we are warriors, men, villains in battle? Moab will be destroyed, her towns invaded, her finest young men will go down in slaughter, declares the king, whose name is Lord Almighty. The fall of Moab is at hand. Her calamity is coming quickly. Mourn for her, all who live around her, all who know her fame. How broken is the mighty scepter. How broken the glorious staff. Come down from your glory and sit on the parched ground, um, Andy. The inhabitants of Dada Dibon. For the one who destroys Moab will come against you and ruin and fortify cities. Stand by the road and watch, you who live in Aror. Ask the men of fleeing and the woman escaping. Ask them what has happened. Moab's disgraced. She shattered, well without crying, announced by Arnon that Moab's destroyed. Judgment has come to the plateau, to Holon and Jaza, Mephath, Dibon, Nebo, Beth, Dibothaim, the Kirathaim, Beth Gamel, and Beth Mion, the Kirath and Bozerah, all the towns of Moab, far and near. Moab's horn is cut off, her arm broken declares the Lord. Make her drunk. She's defied the Lord. Let Moab wallow in her vomit. Let her be an object of ridicule. Was not Israel the object of your ridicule? Was she cut among thieves? And you shake your head in scorn whenever you speak of her. Abandon your towns and dwell among the rocks, you who live in Moab. 
be like a dove that makes its nest at the mouth of the cave. We have heard of Moab's pride and her arrogance. Her insolence and her pride are her conceit, the haughtiness of her heart. I know her insolence, but it is futile, declares the Lord. Her boast accomplished nothing. For I truly I tell you, the son can do nothing uh, by himself. He can do only what he sees the father doing. Because whatever the father does, the son also does. The father loves the son and shows him all he does. Yes, he will show him even greater works than these, so that you will be amazed. For just as the father raises the dead and gives them life, even so the son gives life to whom he pleases to give it. Moreover, the father judges no one, but entrusted all judgment to the son, that all may honor the son just as they honor the father. Whoever does not honor the son does not honor the father who sent him. Very truly I tell you, whoever hears my words and believes me, believes him who sent me, has entered eternal life and will not be judged by the crossed over from death to life. Very truly I tell you, a time is coming. It has now had come when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God, and those who hear will live. For as the Father has life in himself, so he has granted the Son also to have life in himself. And he has given him authority to judge, because he the son of man so I'll bring forth descendants from Jacob from Judah those who will possess my mountains my chosen people will inherit them they'll be my servants there will my servants live Sharon will become a pasture for her flocks the valley of Achor a resting place for herds my people who seek me that's for you who forsake the Lord and forget my holy mountain who spread a table for fortune and fill bowls of mixed wine for destiny? I'll destine you for the sword. Call you for, uh, will fall in slaughter. I'll call, I called you, but you did not answer. I spoke to you, but you did not listen. I spoke, but you did not listen. You did evil in my sight and chose what displeases me. My servants will eat, but you'll go hungry. My servants will drink, but you'll go thirsty. My servants will rejoice, but you'll be put to shame. My servants will sing in, out of the joy of their hearts, but you will cry out from the anguish of heart and wail and brokenness of spirit and leave your name for my chosen ones to use as a curse. So, this is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and improve what's God's will, his good and pleasing perfect will. For by the grace given me, I say this to every one of you. Do not think of yourselves more highly than you ought to, but rather think of yourselves with sober judgment, in accordance with the faith that God has distributed to each one of you. For just as each one of us has a body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts, according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is to prophesy, then you prophesy in accordance with your faith. If serving, then serve. If teaching, then teach. If it's to encourage, then give encouragement. If it's giving, give generously. If it's to lead, do it diligently. If it's to show mercy, do it cheerfully. Love must be sincere. Hate was evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual favor. Sir and Lord, be joyful, joyful in hope, and patient. And be patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with Lord with people who are in need. 
and practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those that rejoice and mourn with those that mourn. So Judah, you have many gods that you have towns and the altars you have set up to burn incense so that shameful God Baal are as many as the streets in Jerusalem. Do not pray for those people. So essentially, Judah, you gathered towns and, and streets to uh, hoe out your uh, commodity here, which is me, and you sat up a shameful God Baal and ran my name with your setups here uh, to burn incense to um, in the streets of Jerusalem. And God says, don't pray for these people. Don't offer any plea or petition for them because I will not listen when they call to me in a time of their distress. What is my beloved doing in the temple as she with many other works out of her evil schemes? Can consecrated meat avert your punishment? When you engage in your wickedness, then you rejoice. The Lord called you a thriving olive tree with fruit, beautiful in form. But with the roar of a mighty storm, he'll set fire to it and its branches will be broken. The Lord Almighty who planted you has decreed disaster for you. Because the people of both Israel and Judah have done nothing but evil to arouse my anger by burning incense to Baal. So you arouse uh, yourself and uh, all your onlookers every night while you light me on fire. Light my breast on fire and light my private parts on fire. Uh, arousing yourself in your horny, sexual, uh, flagrant uh, disgust with another man's wife in our home, in our bed, invading our property. Explain yourself. Oh, priest, that is disgusting and defiling. And so, guys, I'm just kind of uh, chuckled by, you know, the Santa Claus song. Um, he's making a list. He's checking it twice. He's going to find out if you're naughty or nice. Um, Santa Claus is coming to town. He knows when you're sleeping. He knows when you're awake. Uh, he's going to find out if you're bad or good. So be good for goodness sakes. And that, you know, and I do a dance workout and that dance song came on um, to, to Elon because God kind of speaks through my song sometimes and reveals the hearts of people. And that is so Elon Musk as this man literally is, you know, uh, an adulterer. A murderer murdered my husband, murdered me, uh, violates uh, children, hustles children, hustles women, steals steals from another man anything he has. Um, you know, been married five times, has eleven kids, no family structure, no sense of family structure, no sense of righteousness, no sense of no moral compass whatsoever. An atheist and, and um, a gothic uh, demon uh, worshiper. If you know anything about his baby mama, right? Who like literally cuts herself and uh, sets herself uh, on fire and worships demon. She, she had a picture of like uh, goat hoofs and demon horns on. That's how she walks around. It's almost um, insane to imagine someone walks around like that. This is his, his baby mama and one one of eleven, anyways. And so you know, no 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 plumb line, no standard of righteousness, no um, you know righteousness of Christ. This man's coming in here to quote unquote fight the Christian battle. And guess what, guys? He goes through my heart at night and tells me if I've been bad or good. And, and y'all get this. He does it not because of the standard of righteousness or plumb line. He does it for goodness sakes. Just like Santa Claus. He's going to find out if you've been bad or good. So be good for goodness sakes. Otherwise, this guy is going to kill you, right? 
this is his standard. This is his moral compass. This is what this clown is doing, uh, trying to p- pretend he's a Christian to seek asylum under the Christian uh, church because he martyred the first Christian. And literally, uh, we'll come here and murk you on your bed, go through your heart, assault you on your bed while you're sleeping, assault your brain, assault your heart, uh, dim the light of consciousness in you, and start uh, going through your heart and see if there's any secret sin he needs to expose to people just to make a, a, a disgrace of you. And if he finds any, you know, you know his standard is to find it goodness sakes <laughs> that's the standard this gothic freak uh turtle that lays his eggs with anything he sees uh standard of righteousness goodness sakes y'all and this is the deplorable means the church has used to make a jest of what they are to make a jest of their standard of righteousness to make a jest of the priests and their rapes and their adulteries to make a jest of their whoredom to make a jest of their hustling another woman with their corruption is almost insane to believe the church is still operating as it is and i don't know when christ is gonna come clean his bride and wash the filth off her but it is insane how these uh adultering uh lustful name uh perverts are running the church with the biggest scoundrel uh chart checking people on the standard of goodness sakes making a list to see if you're naughty or nice checking it twice watching you while you're sleeping knows when you're awake gonna violate every asset of you and every part of your mind and heart and boy oh boy if he finds any sin based on his standard uh for goodness sakes he'll freaking murk you and desecrate you and dim your light of conscience and light you on fire no kidding. This is the, the you know, demonic, devil-worshipping, satan- satanic uh, piece of crap they hired Elon Musk and the church to uh, do their dirty work for him. Because no one else will, will kill like this man, right? No one that has any conscience or any sense of, uh, you know, social ethic would do this. This man is a sociopath, um, autistic man that has no no empathy and can't empathize with, with humanity. Just a sociopath that... Uh, has obsessive compulsive disorders of uh, relentlessly um, picking on something until he kills it and destroys it. And so it's like, uh, and because he shattered my vagina and left me with a terminal blow in a key spot that he was raping me in and didn't want my husband to know or anyone to know that he raped a woman and killed her, uh, he's trying to seek asylum under the church. And it's like, you martyred the first Christian in the Western Evangelical Church and you want to seek asylum under the church when you're an atheist, gothic, murdering adulterer? And was it that uh, a foreign national? And I say that because, you know, I, I'm being persecuted because of my race. I'm being persecuted because my dad is Muslim, you know, and I'm a Christian convert. And they're, you know, literally murdering me for it. And this guy's a foreign national straight out of Africa, migrated from Canada, not in a U.S., you know, born. And this one's trying to tell me what's up. It's deplorable, it's laughable, it's absolutely obnoxious, it's insane to think that a foreign national out of Africa who's a, a gothic atheist and uh, evolutionist is trying to tell the church uh, the standard of righteousness uh, based on his, uh, I guess, uh, feelings for the day. Uh, as he heart checks me with his technology and makes uh, a jest of me in Christianity and literally deleted my whole crown because of his blazing jealousy of the autistic, uh, egocentric maniac who can't control his emotions yet at 55 and can't control his rage at 55 over someone else being better than him or someone else having a higher calling than him than Mars or someone else having a wisdom that he doesn't have. And in his zeal and his rage and not being able to control his own emotions, this man 
and murk some woman that's not even in his field, racing against him, in my own lane, doing my own thing, comes into my house and starts murking me because his uh, autistic zeal couldn't handle his own emotions. Like, is this not a mental ill case or what? And it's like, where is the state to get this mental ill creep out of my house? Like, no one's racing as you know, competing at you. I'm in my own lane. You broke into my house and thought someone was competing against you and your mission to Mars. Like, just a psycho dummy that needs to be kicked out and thrown out and stay in his own lane and, like, learn how to control your emotions. Learn how to control your anger. You are 55 years old. And you want to try to tell everyone else what's up? You want humanity this, humanity that? You want to tell everyone else how to live? You think you're some leader, some guru, some, you know, uh, doogie? It's like, on what basis? Your false pretenses? Who are you fooling? It's like, you can be, like, the priest of public, you know, success and a private failure. And it's like, we can search you out, buddy, and we can find you out. And you uh, are nothing, and you have nothing to stand on, and you have no sense of anything to tell anyone so you can get the heck out of my house and out of my life and off my body and sure the heck away from my kids and guys just to add this to it's like you know this man was gonna sue for his fraud investment and he got his money back after he whined about it and made twice as much as what he put into it and it's like, we had to bail out the San Francisco Valley Bank because of your dumb choices. You should have known. You couldn't invest in this. You should have known. It was fraud. You should have known. You can't invest in a human being. And uh, you whined about it and got your money back. Why are you still here? And why are you still lurking? And why are you still violating someone? You knew it was a fraud. And, and whined about it. Got bailed out of your bank. And are still here doing whatever the heck you want to someone. It's like, you should know it's fraud. Why are you touching me? Get off me. I don't want you touching me, looking at me, having access to me, or lighting me on fire and, and desecrating me. You made me an empty jar, uh, took all my organs and my kids' organs and just left us an empty jar with mechanical pieces in your rage and zeal to show off to people your coding that no one really even appreciates or cares about because it's not even our field. It's like, why are you here? Get away from me.